I just call it a discovery task list. And what we do is we take inventory of everything that you do for a week. And then we figure out, okay, is this something that you can delete? Like what happens if we just don't do it? How much of an effect does it really have on the business? Um, as far as ROI, right. Versus people's perceived value. Then the second thing we ask is, okay, can I delegate this? And the question that we must ask ourselves for each one of those is if I knew I was going to be hit with a Mack truck tomorrow, what would I do today to transfer that knowledge so that my business wouldn't fall apart? And that, that is the most important question because it starts the brain. You you've asked the brain a different question and it will give you a different answer. It will come up with creative ways of how you're able to actually delegate a task that you thought was not possible before. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven, eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours? Just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Michelle Thompson. Um, and to give you a quick introduction to Michelle, so she went to college and graduated in counseling, um, deciding that, but decided that wasn't for her and wasn't what she wanted to do. And so, uh, did go and work at a boot camp, I think for a couple of years for juveniles, if I remember right, and decided that, you know, didn't like the system. So went back to school, got an MBA um, and, and uh, did that for a period of time and then worked for a construction company looking, you know, projects or managing projects with engineers. And one of them, I think you mentioned was helping clean up the atom bomb, which sounds interesting. And, and then had, uh, I think a stroke and couldn't do that anymore. But out of that kind of figured out um, how to learn to delegate in both in personal life as well as a business arena and from that kind of started the the business that you're at to, today and you're running so with that much as an introduction welcome on the podcast michelle hey david thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it it is so much fun to be here with you Absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. So I gave a quick run through of a, a much higher level of your journey, but maybe take us back a bit back in time to when you're in college and kind of deciding what you did and, and also didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I really wanted to be able to help people. And so the easiest way that I knew that to do that was, you know, to go be a counselor and, and spend my life helping people. And unfortunately, when I got through college um, and got my first job, it, it actually was uh, at a boot camp for juvenile delinquents. And um, I became very disillusioned, not with the juvenile delinquents. <laughs> they, they were supposed to be buttheads. That's why they were there, right? Um, but uh, I became very disillusioned with the system. Uh, they weren't necessarily... Um, focused on rehabilitation, but rather it was almost like a churning cycle, um, where they ended up just making a whole lot of money off of it and not necessarily helping. And so that was challenging for me. And so, um, I ended up going through burnout cause I just wanted to take all the kids home. <laughs> and, um, uh, so after a, about a year and a half, I left there and, um, then eventually went back to school, uh, got my, no, let me ask, 
one quick question so because you know that's something that people you know often will hit in a career and that is you'll hit burnout and you'll say okay i'm just tired of doing this it's not doesn't excite me it doesn't get me up in the morning it's not what i want to do for the rest of my life type of a thing so you know as you're kind of you know because you've already gone to a college you've got a degree and you know that takes a while time and effort money and expense and you also got an employment so how did you say okay you know while i've got this as an undergraduate degree and i've done this and i've got a job this is isn't for me and i'm going to go back and do something different how did you kind of make that dis- or final decision or, or pull that trigger yeah interestingly enough um you don't make a lot of money as a counselor mm. and so i actually went back to the job that i used to work myself through college um, i worked at lens crafters as an optician and i already had my license as an optician for working for them for four years through college so i was actually able to go work for them and make more money there than i did working um as a counselor and so that part wasn't so hard for me because it i was easy to you know it was easy to to fill the paycheck uh the hard part was okay i I know I don't want to do retail hours for the rest of my life. Um, what do I want to do? And uh, it was actually a couple of years of trying to to figure out what that was. And um, believe it or not, it was actually somebody who came uh, and bought glasses from me. Um, they were a repeat customer. And so we kind of got, got to know them. And uh, he gave me a book um, called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one everybody knows. Right. But at that point I had no clue. I mean, we, we didn't even talk about finances in my family. Like I had no clue. Um, and, uh, that was kind of like a wow eye opening. And, um, so I read that book and then I said, okay, what should I read next? And he's like, we'll read the four hour work week by Timothy Ferris. And I went, okay. So I did that and I went, oh my word. Okay. This is what I need to do. Um, and so that's when I started going back to school to get my MBA. And so I, um, I actually dual majored in entrepreneurship and finance because I knew I wanted to do that, but I had no idea how to do it. (laughs) Um, and so that was kind of the road that, that led to that. So now, so you go back and say, okay, I at least kind of figured out, and I, it's a great book and it's been a while since I read it, but it was, you know, when I read that, it gives you a lot of good ideas and say, okay, maybe counseling isn't for me a bit disillusioned, a bit burned out and want to try something new. And so MBA, you know, kind of going into the business and getting an understanding there and kind of, and going back and revisiting different skill sets. So you go back and get an MBA and do that, you know, go back and get that degree. You're coming out kind of now as you're looking to kind of shift into a different career, how did you land on what I think was kind of project management for engineers? Yeah. So I worked for the project controls department um, for a large construction company. And honestly, it was um, my aunt worked for the company and she had been telling me for probably like five years, Michelle, you need to come work for us. Michelle, you need to come work for us. And I was like, no, I do not need to come work for you. (laughs) Um, But finally I was like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll listen. And I went and interviewed and I was like, okay, this is actually, this is fun. I could do this. So. So now you, so you get a job and you know, good or kudos to your aunt give you you know give you the push that you need or direction you need and give you an op or you know kind of point you in that direction for that opportunity and you do that for a period of time and it, it sounds like and not putting words in your mouth but you enjoyed it it was a good job and it was going well up until you had the stroke is that about right yeah yeah so i i loved my job um and 
I still, I still had like a little side hustle because I, I, I had that entrepreneurial bug. Um, but, uh, it was the perfect job. I got, I mean, all our coworkers, we all got along together. We had a lot of fun. Um, so it, it really was, you know, a great job. I had found, you know, I don't want to say my niche because I still had the little side hustle, but I was, I was happy there. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have to get out of this job. <laughs> so no, and and I, I've been in both jobs and I love what I do now. And it's, it's, you know, it's not one of those, oh, it's Monday. You know, it's always, oh, it's Monday. I got to catch up with about a million emails that I missed over the weekend, but it's a, it's a fun, enjoyable job. So you did that. And now you're saying, okay, things are going well, enjoying the job. And then the stroke comes along when I think it made it so it was difficult to continue on with the, the job as you were doing it. Is that right? Oh yeah. Um, so my job at, um, this company was to keep us, um, under budget and on schedule. Mm -hmm. And so when you're working with billions of dollars, one of the things that's really important is math. Um, and, uh, when I had the stroke, it was literally like somebody had just taken a racer and just erased out of my brain how to do math. I literally went from MBA in finance to second grade education overnight. And I mean, it was gone. And so um, needless to say, I was no longer qualified <laughs> to do that job. Uh, so that was, um, you know, I, I at, the po at that time, um, we really thought that I was coming back. We thought that I was gonna, you know, just, you know, take six weeks, go get better and, and come back. Um, well, at that time we, we didn't realize it was a permanent condition. So, so now, so now you go through that and that's gotta be hard. First of all, and devastating and, uh, you know, feel bad or, you know, my, uh, or feel bad for you. And, 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 but you know, it, it, you still have to figure out how to move on what you're going to do. And so as you're kind of going through all of that, you know, Hey, first of all, I had to I switch careers from undergraduate to graduate, finally got the MBA doing what I love. And now I'm not able to do that. And I, you know, that's kind of gives a good visual representation of, Hey, basically just wiped it out of my mind. I couldn't remember how to do it anymore. And so how did you then say, okay, if I wanted to still do something, I want to, you know, need to earn an income, be successful and do all that. How did you even start to tackle that? Or, you know, did you take some time off? Did you take a break? Did you do pondering? Did you move on to the next thing or kind of what was that transition like for you? Yeah. So, um, I literally couldn't do anything for about three years. Um, and so there was, there was three years of rehab and physical therapy and occupational therapy. Um, and those are some really dark times. Um, not fun. Don't want to go back there, but the silver lining on the very dark cloud is that, uh, they taught me, um, one of the, one of the problems that I have is I can uh, no longer remember things in a sequence. And the way that it's been explained to me is uh, think of New York City and there's a whole bunch of red lights, right? Mm -hmm. And there's all these taxi cabs going all over the place, right? And the only way that there's any sense of order is because there are red lights, yellow lights, and green lights, right? When I had the stroke, it attacked my brainstem and it actually attacked my ability to have red lights and yellow lights. So everything is a green light. So everything is constantly crashing into each other. And so I, I forget it all the time. Uh, so it's not uncommon for me to, um, forget to take my medicine in the morning or leave a stove on or leave the keys in the door. Um, so I had to set up systems 
uh, to be able to keep track of all that, just to be able to function. And I live in a very controlled environment now. And what happened was we got so good. They taught me, um, the occupational therapist taught me, uh, how to outsource my everyday tasks to software and to other people so well that that was when the, the, the MBA started kicking in and I was like, man, if we can do this with Michelle, don't forget to brush your teeth. Why can't we do this with everything else in business? Right. Cause the whole world works on systems. Right. And if it's just a system and we break down the system, then we could duplicate it. And, uh, that's actually how the idea was born for awesome outsourcing. And I told you I had a little side hustle. And one of the things that I was doing was I had a blog, um, with, uh, affiliate links in it. Right. And so I was providing value, teaching people how to outsource, um, and then using those affiliate links. Well, when the stroke happened, I, I couldn't write anymore still to this day, can't write. Hmm. And well, I shouldn't say can't I can, it takes a very, very long time. <laughs> so we'll put it that way. Um, so what ended up happening was I ended up writing, uh, hiring a writer. And I just hit record and talked to him and explained to him how I would write a blog post. How would I do the research? How would I do the SEO um, keyword research? How would I uh, find a picture for the post? Um, what tags would I put in there to make sure that Google's nice and happy? Um, all those, all those fun things. So literally from start to finish, I just talked him through every single piece. And by the time I was done, I just took all those videos. And I just made like a little outline step-by-step. Step. Okay, go do this. Okay, go do this. Okay, go do this. And it worked really well. Hmm. And um, we had some friends of mine who were kind of keeping an eye on it. And they're like, Michelle, you're, you're kicking out like three times the amount of blog posts that you did before a stroke. How is that happening? And I said, well, it's because I'm not doing it. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, hired somebody to do it. And they're like, well, how do they, how'd you get them to write? Like you write. And I said, well, I recorded videos and showed him step-by-step step. and they're like, holy crap, can you teach me how to do that? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, sure, let's try it. And, uh, and so we did long story short, um, worked out really well. And we ended up, um, creating a course showing people how to do exactly what I, I, I taught these people how to do. Hmm. And, the feedback was, you know, Michelle, this is amazing. We're really glad that you can um, outsource, uh, but we don't want to do it. Can you just do it for us? <laughs> um, and at first I was like, absolutely not. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be responsible. Um, but uh, after much um, not so gentle prying <laughs> from people, <laughs> Uh, I did actually um, open up an agency side. And so now um, we have the two sides. So we have the education side and now we have the agency side where you can actually just hire us uh, to get you a um, personal assistant and complete your tasks. Now, one question I'll, I'll have to ask is because if you, you know, kind of, you described your cars are crashing in, you only have green light, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember what to do and you build in some of those systems. So, you know, how do you, run the business or do you manage it? Do you delegate and, you know, kind of, how do you 
as a business, because at least from my perspective, and I run a business and there's a lot of things, balls to juggle, things to remember, things to get done, things to delegate, things you can't delegate, and all these things you're, you're trying to juggle. And then I imagine that that's even more difficult when you compound that with, you know, the, the effects of the stroke and kind of now how you do all that. So how do you manage your way through on the business side to be able to keep everything moving, keep it, it going and, 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 and have that as a success? Yeah, that's a great question. And what we had to do was, honestly, we had to eliminate me from the equation. Hmm. Um, I, cause I'm, I'm physically not capable of doing it. So we have a project manager and then I also have a personal assistant. And so my personal assistant keeps track of my to-dos and they're like, Hey, Michelle, did you do this? Um, Hey, Michelle, what about this? Uh, but actually what, what really typically happens is I'll say, okay, Tanette, can you, um, you know, Devin needs a headshot. Can you email that over to him? Um, and so I'll just send her an email and, and it, and it gets done. So you're right. Um, I had to set up the, the processes one by one so that I wouldn't be the barrier to the business's growth. And so what we did was we just eliminated me, um, my, my, uh, business coach, um, sat down. And one of the things that I have to do is, um, once a quarter, I have to not touch the business for two weeks. And what the reason for that is we see what breaks and then we know what, what to go fix next. And, uh, and so it's been, been working out really well. And it's, what's interesting is even a lot of what you described as, you know, one of the, I listened to a lot of podcasts, reading a lot of books, and I can't remember which one I picked it up with, but there, you know, there's things that float around the business community of, hey, if you're really setting up the business to succeed, you need to be able to take a, a month vacation off where you don't have to touch anything and it, it runs by itself, so to speak. And so it's almost a little bit reminiscent of, hey, taking a couple of weeks off, seeing what breaks and then fixing it such that you don't have to be the hands-on, you don't have to run it. And then to some degree, you can run by itself such that it's still a business that provides that income and you're, you're still giving that direction or some of that insider coordination, but of the business in and of itself can run without you type of thing and setting it up. So that's interesting how that, that overlaps and how that, you know, how that plays out. Well, now that kind of brings us to, to where you're at today. Now kind of looking at, you know, the next six to 12 months, where do you see things headed where do you see things continuing to go from here? Yeah. So, um, we are <laughs> doing something crazy. Um, so we already have the, um, the agency side set up, but we had people ask us, you know, Hey, can you personally hire a virtual assistant for me and, um, just train them already? <laughs> so it's almost like a, like a business in a box. And, um, we actually are beta testing that right now. So we have a, a couple that are going through the beta testers and we specifically picked um, online business coaches uh, because what I had to do is I had to create a system where I could train that personal assistant to be able to tackle the light bookkeeping that they need, the social media posting, the calendar management, the um, appointment scheduling, uh, the email management, uh, the online files, um, onboarding a client. So we had to, to be able to systematize each, each one of those pieces and create some general training. And then from there, we have like a one month onboarding session where you work with my project manager and we take that personal assistant 
and we take the general concepts and then we turn it into, uh, cause everybody has like little nuances in their own business. Right. And so, uh, we're able to, to take that and customize it for your specific business. So at the end of 30 days, you have a fully trained VA, um, who knows the nuances of your business and they're, they're your employee versus having to uh, be in the agency, um, indefinitely. And so it's a, it's a larger cost upfront, but then in the long run, um, it ends up, uh, being quite financially advantageous for you. And I, and I think that's, you know, I like the idea. It's, it's an interesting concept because I think to your point, a lot of times you're saying, oh yeah, I could hire a virtual assistant or an administrative assistant or whatever you want to call them. And, you know, they can help to offload a lot, but now I have to take the time to teach them all the systems and everything I'm doing. And I don't already have enough time. And how do I find the time to do all that? And so I think, you know, taking that ability to have somebody else train them, offload that, get them up to speed and help to offset that is, is, a, is a cool direction to be headed. Well, as we, as we start to wrap up the podcast, I always have two questions I ask at the end of each podcast. So we'll jo- go ahead and jump to those now. The first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Not having a contract in place. <laughs> um, when I first started, I just was nice and just believed somebody that they were going to be good. And, um, and uh, what, what happened was the content that he had created for me um, he thought that he owned the rights to it. And I didn't have a contract in place that said that I owned the rights to it. And so he actually sued me and it cost me five grand. No. And that, that is a one where I caution people, Hey, especially it's even, if it's an employee, it's one thing and you have a bit more protection, but especially if you get an independent contractors, then laws are generally more favorable to them in the sense that if you don't set it up, you don't have that contract in place they can sometimes have a legitimate claim that while you can use the, use the information, you know, what they created for you, they are the ultimate owners and they can reuse it or sell it anything else. And it's one of those things that if you don't know, it can definitely come back to bite you. So I get a lot of people have that same mistake where they think, Hey, I'm paying them for it. I hired them for it. They're doing it for me. I should own this. And yet if you're not careful, it can certainly uh, to catch you. So Definitely makes sense. So now we'll jump to the second question, which is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you give them? Yeah, the question that people always ask is, what do I get rid of first? And how do I even know if I can get rid of it? And so to answer that question, I actually created a cool tool that I'll be happy to give to you guys. Um, And basically it's, I just call it a discovery task list. And what we do is we take inventory of everything that you do for a week. And then we figure out, okay, is this something that you can delete? Like what happens if we just don't do it? How much of an effect does it really have on the business? Um, As far as ROI, right? Versus people's perceived value. Then the second thing we ask is, okay, can I delegate this? And the question that we must ask ourselves for each one of those is, if I knew I was going to be hit with a Mack truck tomorrow, what would I do today to transfer that knowledge so that my business wouldn't fall apart? And that, that is the most important question because it, it starts the brain you, you've asked the brain a different question and it will give you a different answer. It will come up with creative ways of how you're able to actually delegate a task that you thought was not possible before. Um, and so then the other that's left is what are the things that I have to do personally myself? And then what we do is we take each one of those and we rip it apart and say, do you have to do 100% of that? Or can you just do the on-camera part? 
and then everything else in the background can be done by somebody else. Uh, and so I have just the spreadsheet and then there's three little five minute videos that kind of shift your thinking. Um, and that has been, um, tremendously helpful for a lot of people that uh, have come across it and it's free. So please feel free to use it. Awesome. Well, I definitely think it sounds like a great tool. And you know, that's one of the hard things is, you know, you should delegate, but what do you delegate? How do you delegate it? How much do you delegate is always one, especially if you're a startup or small business, you know, how you start to tackle that is always something that's of big concern and it's always a, a difficult uh, road to cross. So definitely is a great piece of advice and uh, appreciate the, the the free tool. Well, as, and, and this is a reminder, before we wrap up, we do have the bonus question that we'll hit on a little bit of intellectual property after we wrap up with the, the, the uh, normal episode. Um, so if you want to stay tuned and hear a little bit about more about intellectual property, certainly feel, uh, feel free to st- or catch up on that question and listen for after the podcast episode. But as we wrap up the normal episode, if people want to reach out to, they want to be a client, they want to be a customer, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out or find out more? Yeah, so uh, you can email me. It's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at awesomeoutsourcing.com. So all one word, awesomeoutsourcing.com. And then if you want that tool, uh, it's just awesomeoutsourcing.com slash task hyphen discovery hyphen tool. I know I'm very creative. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to both check out the tool and check out Michelle as well. Reach out to her if if she can be of help as you're uh, learning to delegate or anything else with your business. Definitely a great resource. Well, as we wrap up the, the podcast, again, thank you for coming on. Now, for those of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell, we'd love to share it. Feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. Two more things as a listener. One, in your podcast player, make sure to click subscribe so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out about the podcast as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. So with that, we as we wrapped up the, the normal episode, this is always one of my favorite parts is to talk a little about intellectual property and also to turn the table a bit. Whereas before I get always asked the questions and you, you get to answer them, now it's switched and you get to ask your top question, I get to answer. So with that, turn it over to you. What's your top intellectual property question? I think it would be you know people, you, you know, you put your stuff out in the world and you know that somebody's going to rip it off. Anyway, doesn't matter how do you protect yourself and how much of it is actually worth paying attention to. Yeah. And there's a couple of questions in the, in there. So kudos to the compound question. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. So the que- I, I would say the first question is kind of, if I were to reiterate it is, you know, kind of what is worth, what is worthwhile to protect or how do you protect it? Is it worthwhile to protect and kind of how do you get into that enforcement or should you go into enforcement? So, you know, let's say you have, whether it's a patent or a trademark or copyright, you got something that's great. The question is at first, you know, if you get that or assuming you get it, can you protect it or how do you enforce it? And so the, you know, that a lot of times I always step back and say, well, first, should you be enforcing it in the sense that yes, you can, but there are options. You can everything from reach out to them and, you know, to let them know that they're infringing your intellectual property, please stop. And that can be a phone call, but you want to go that way. You can go a cease and desist letter, or you can file a lawsuit and you can go or take them to court or, you know, a, a few other strategies and tactics. But the question is, should you, should you be spending your time and your efforts to enforce it 
because and, and how do you decide what strategy to take and a lot of where i would go is to step back and say you know is this something that's impactful to your business meaning are they is it worthwhile is it is an investment in your time do you have an roi to go out and enforce it and if as an example if they're ripping off your brand you know they're very close to your brand and all of a sudden they have um you know they're competing with you they're taking away clients it's having an impact on your business okay well then there probably is it worthwhile to go get them to stop because they are now directly impacting your business same thing if if you have you know a great product and all of a sudden they they knock it off and reverse engineer it and then they sell a similar product out there or now you're saying okay it's impeding our ability to grow or it's impeding our ability to get new clients or something to where it's being impactful your business then you look and say okay what is what is then you say what is that impact is it okay a thousand dollars a year probably not worth it if it's ten thousand dollars a year well it's starting to get there if it's a hundred thousand dollars a year absolutely you know million dollars a year absolutely and so then you start to weigh and say okay what is this worth it and then you say what are my options and you say okay cease and desist letter you can get if you had an attorney do it it's fairly inexpensive if you reach out to them and give them a call then your time is not much now if you get into a lawsuit then it's going to be much more expensive in the sense that you know, then it's going to be on trademark lawsuits. You're at least in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. Patent lawsuit, you're usually over a million if you go the whole way and don't settle. And so you say, okay, which option it fits with which is that return on investment? If I can only, if they're only damaging me or decreasing the business by 10,000, going and spending 100,000 on a, a court case probably doesn't make sense. Calling to them or maybe a cease and desist letter probably does make sense. So I'd start to weigh that out. But as far as you know, whether you should go about getting it is, protect what's important to your business and then or get get protection for what's important in your business and then look at where is it where are you going to get the investment either because of dip in sales or because of other impacts on your business and then figure out what strategy lines up with what that impact is on your business does that make sense yeah that's hugely helpful just the the dollar amounts of you know which one to use for which situation is amazingly helpful so, well, awesome. Well, it was, it was fun to talk a little about intellectual property. It was a great question. With that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Again, if you ever have any questions, if you have any questions, Michelle, or any of the listeners ever have any more questions on intellectual property, go to strategymeeting.com and we can chat more about it. Otherwise, appreciate you coming on the podcast, Michelle. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. And wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Mm-hmm.